Today's podcast is going to be part one with Grace Castillo-Soyal, the founder of Self-Care Catalysts. In part one, we'll be discussing going digital and how patients are driving their own health care. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is the Healthy Idea Podcast with Iman and Nico. Today's special episode, we have Grace Castillo-Soyal. She is the founder of Self-Care Catalysts. Self-Care Catalyst is a patient-centered digital therapeutics and analytics company that derives value from patient-centered real-world evidence to not only help the product lifecycle, but also help create behavior change interventions and also inform clinical care. Grace, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you today? I'm very good, and it's uh, very nice to talk to you again, Iman. I know. It's great to see you again. We um, So me and Grace met at the Mass Challenge Health Tech event back in December in Boston. And I remember uh, meeting her and uh, one of one of her employees, and uh, they showed me the, the patient-centered journey app on the iPad, and it was amazing. And uh, I had to have her on after I met her and, and saw her product. So I'm so glad that you were able to make time for us. Well, thank you. And that was fine. Um, I'm so glad, too, that I met you there. So I'm glad that I could join you today um, in your podcast. Thank you so much. So uh, I guess let, let's just get into it. Um, so, Grace, as a founder slash entrepreneur, how did you get in the business of digital health? Thanks, Iman, for asking that. So it's really a combination of my uh, professional and personal experience. Personally, it's driven by my curiosity. I always wanted to discover and understand what's behind an illness. And so I started on with my own. Often there are many things that I want to discuss with my physicians, but they don't really have time, usually, you know, blocks of uh, 10 minutes. So I rely on my own personal research and knowledge. Professionally, while working in with the big pharmaceutical companies, I realized that I made big business decisions for strategy, for forecasting, marketing planning, using a lot of data, big data, but it's not enough of um, intimate data coming from patients so that I can really understand patients. I remember before we would rely on focus groups or survey, they could only account for a sliver of the patient's lives. So I left to build a patient research company and after years of listening to patients and thousands of patients, I realized they have so much more to say in terms of their day-to-day struggles. And oftentimes they don't share it with their clinicians and other healthcare practitioners. There's always limitations in knowing more about them. But I think it's digital that made it all possible for people. Patients now uh, try to go beyond the realm of the hospital or the clinical setting to research, to find out more about their illness, to connect with each other through social communities. And then we're seeing more and more patients becoming advocates of their own health. So uh, from a patient research company, understanding patient journeys, we pivoted to build the very solutions we heard from patients and customers. We thought, you know what, we're, see- we're hearing a lot from patients where particularly healthcare, healthcare systems or pharmaceutical companies or industry or even the public health could solve But uh, we thought, you know what, why don't we try uh, delivering or building some of the solutions? Patients need tools to give them back control of their lives, and customers need data to provide more supportive care to patients. And so that's actually how I started Self-Care Catalyst. That's amazing. Um, And that's something that I am in complete agreement with. Um, And so I guess 
you, you really focus in on patient centricity. So why is the concept of patient centricity more important than ever? So for years, everybody talked about patient centricity, and I always heard it from conferences in meetings. And so it became a real big buzzword. But personally, I struggle to see companies or healthcare systems really connect with patients. It's all in their vision statements or mission statements, but they are hardly, you know, you could hardly see them implemented in either, you know, in different settings. And you still see a lot of uh, care gaps uh, in drug development, for example, that's not aligning in what we hear from patients. So the thing is that healthcare is very complex. One gets mired in the medical and administration workflow. There's a sea of stakeholders. There's a lot of conflicting priorities. So it's a big ecosystem where you mix medical, science, business, social behavior, human networks, and they all intersect with each other, and oftentimes the patients get lost. So depending on which world you operate, whether you're in healthcare system, getting very high uh, patient satisfaction scores or ratings is what they would call as patient centricity, or speaking to a few patients in focus groups or partnering in patient organization is probably what uh, in the past patient centricity was for many pharmaceutical companies. Although I can see um, a lot of uh, changes that's happening and it's quite encouraging. So when patients care about are really their outcomes and their ability to get back to their normal lives and get back to it in a faster way, they want to avoid medications, they want to alter the course of uh, their daily lives because of side effects. So that, you know, when they are presented with treatment options that align with their personal goals and values, uh, that will not give them sustainable hope because it means that they could afford the medication. So we also hear a lot about patient journeys these days. That's why it's important to un- understand um, and embrace it. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in complete agreement with you there, Grace. Um, I think that making it more outcomes oriented, if you want healthcare to go that route, we need to bring in the patient voice. And you just talked about like, how patient journeys are, are important. You know, why, why is it important to understand? Why is it important to embrace? Right. So I recall, I, I remember this a couple of years ago when I was pitching to an industry professional. And when I pitched the concept of patient journeys, they actually looked at it and they thought, you know what, patient journeys are collected from a very personal and not from a collective level. And so I was told that, you know, I mean, it's not valid, Right. So I asked, what do you mean it's not valid? Well, it's not clinical. It's not validated by the doctor and to see the same accuracy that we're accustomed to. And I can understand from the perspective of scientific research, it's really hard to embrace such data where it's not backed by protocols. But who says that the day-to-day lives of patients and their struggles and experiences are not valid? The good news is that patients have come out through patient organizations. They have formed communities. Uh, Digitally, they start speaking with each other. Uh, They start speaking out about their real concerns and they are pressing the payers, they're pressing regulators, influencing healthcare systems, the industry, pharma industry, to start listening and acting on their holistic experiences and concerns because first and foremost, they're people first and then they are patients. So the journeys reflect what happens in the real world, in their homes, in their workplaces, over time, and they speak about how they need to tackle comorbidities, their side effects, the limited access to providers, you know, even even travels, even parking lot fees, their feelings of isolation, and a lot more. So these are moments that are not revealed in surveys, not revealed mostly in uh, focus groups, even more so in the 10 to 15 minute 
uh, time they have with their physician. With traditional patient reported outcomes, conversations are very limited and that's why patient journeys are becoming more and more critical in understanding patients for decision making. That's so interesting. Um, the the actual quality of the data affects the, the research, affects the way that we, we look at patient outcomes. So that's an interesting um, insight. And so what have you learned about patients when it comes to managing illnesses and overcoming the impact of their disease? How did it inspire you to be in the business of digital health? Well, thanks for asking that because you know what? I find, especially when I started, digital health was very tech-driven, right? So most of the founders had a lot of technology experience. Or they were also founded by medical practitioners, and for the right reasons, right? They know they know healthcare, they know technology. Those are the right people who actually started uh, digital health. But I thought when I started that there wasn't much um, companies that were driven by patients, right? The thing is that patients straddle between the world of wanting to keep their normal selves as a human being but they're also expecting to be treated the best care and treatments. So it's a very conflicted world where one day they want to be able to run errands or attend their son's wedding, but they also want to, you know, they need a rest after an infusion. Usually that's a conflict of most patients. And most have the mindset of denying that they are ill, but also acknowledging that they suffer from symptoms, that, you know, that they need to prevent them from engaging in physical or uh, social activities. So, the thing is that making healthcare decisions is really a paradox. Often we know what to do, right? But we often don't do it. And when someone is ill, they make decisions based on knowledge or lack of knowledge, uh, their moment-to-moment experiences, uh, identifying who are their supporters. Is it their family members? Is it their nurse? Is it their doctor? Or is it another patient? The thing is that you know no one is ever uh, prepared to be sick. And the closest that we have in society today is health promotion or prevention, often done in a, on a population basis. But who is ever prepared to be ill? Like, we never get training to be ill, right? And that's really what oftentimes the problem is uh, suddenly when someone is ill and it appends their entire life, that becomes the source of uh, struggle for a lot of the patients. It's really the complexity of healthcare that inspired me to be in digital healthcare. I am a problem solver, I am an idea generator, I connect dots, and I thought digital healthcare is a platform that can connect and enable patients to be in the intersection of human networks, technology, and science as well. So that's how I got to Self-Care Catalyst. That's phenomenal. Um, I love that, that they're part of a human network, very much close to how digital uh, networks on digital applications operate with network effects and having communities. I love that. I love that that's what you're bringing to digital health. And it definitely empowers the patient. Um, I actually want to hear more about how the shift to digital has been empowering the patient in your uh, experience. The problem or the crisis that we're experiencing right now, COVID-19, we've seen a lot of an emergence of a lot of digital care companies, but the adoption rate has been quite slow. I think that COVID-19 accelerated the awareness and the adoption of digital health care across the healthcare ecosystem. So we see more physicians and patients to deliver care. They need to receive care. So the adoption of digital has just increased. When physical interaction is not possible, digital makes it happen, right? 
So it's even better if patients can now have the ability to document their day-to-day experiences. So imagine that you know now you have the ability to share your day-to-day ex- experiences with your doctor because you're using an app like our own health storylines. And at any given time when the physicians actually see that, oh, maybe there's something wrong, you're deviating from your treatment, what a way to start uh, treating patients. What I've heard from patients most of the time is that, especially when they speak with specialists, they feel that they don't have the confidence to speak with them. Of course, they see them as specialists. They're the experts, right? But I think with the patients, uh, when the patients start collecting their own data, it gives them some ammunition and it gives them the power to actually start having a more unequal conversation with their physicians. And that's how I think uh, digital is changing um, the healthcare system. Yeah, I definitely see that, um, especially with COVID-19. And I'm glad that there is more awareness of digital, digital health apps these days. But again, adoption may still be a problem. So I'm curious, how will patients become drivers of their own health beyond what we've seen in, in COVID-19? And how could patients change the healthcare system? So, you know, when patients start collecting their own data, they arm themselves with data. So as I mentioned earlier, they feel more confident. Um, they feel they're more comfortable, actually, to have those uh, open conversations with their physicians. And it's really their own information, their own knowledge, experiences uh, that actually become eventually powerful tools. And these are tools that can complement clinical, medical labs, and genomics data. So imagine how insights coming from you, Nico, or myself, can uh, drive prediction and planning for urgent and future care. And that's what we're trying to do with COVID-19 today. We're part of the Roche Data Science Coalition, and this coalition collects data on COVID-19 patients. And then they realized that, you know what, we need patient-level data. And so it is our app, Health Storylines, that's collecting the patient-level data, especially with COVID-19 when most patients are asked to actually stay home. Uh, then it gives opportunities for um, health, you know, the frontliners, including public policymakers, to continue to monitor what, what's out there in the population while they are treating the severe cases of COVID. You can see a world where we're almost becoming citizen scientists, right? So we're at, I'm an N of one, but you know, my date, who says that my data is not relevant or not valid? But you know, if we can collect all of our data from our own experiences, then you know, the system can generate hypothesis. I can even generate my own hypothesis. And the most important thing is that we have to share it with the scientific research community. And that's the power of real-world evidence. That's the power of enabling patients to collect their own data. But but we have to encourage them to donate it to the scientific community because that's, it's them, it's the medical community, it's the scientific community that can actually generate insights that they can uh, use for population health and public policy planning. Phenomenal. And I totally believe in the power of data. I mean, this is how tech companies run their businesses and it's been to their benefit. They've personalized services, they've created fandoms and, and people who love their products. And I think that's how we should think about healthcare. People who love their healthcare, who want to be a participant, and it's their health. And that's how that's how we can do it through through apps like this. Um, so last question for part one. Um, COVID-19 has affected the world, clearly, um, currently working from home these days. How do you think patients in general are coping with COVID-19? 
and what's the role of digital health in helping solve the patient's concern about COVID-19? Are their concerns being heard or amplified? Starting to, to collect uh, COVID-19 data from patients from the population level. And what, we, what I thought, what we thought was interesting was that pre-COVID-19, the data that we're seeing from our platform, um, Health Storylines Analytics, are coming from patients suffering from chronic conditions like heart disease, diabetes. In the last four weeks or probably more, um, we're seeing a rise in patients reporting anxiety and depression. Clearly, there is uh, such a huge impact uh, of COVID-19 on the mental health uh, status. We actually mainly uh, deal with people who already have comorbidities, who, who are already immunocompromised. And so you can imagine somebody who has cancer uh, now having to actually start thinking as well of potentially getting COVID-19. And that is, uh, that's very unnerving for many people. And even for those people probably who do not suffer from chronic conditions, just the thought of acquiring something that you don't have any previous uh, information or knowledge of is uh, causing quite a stress to uh you know, to the, the entire population, added to the fact that they are working from home, the fact that they could not connect with their friends. They work from home and suddenly their co-workers are their family members and not their co-workers. Uh, it's a complete uh, change in the way we live. And these are some of the behaviors that we need to really track and monitor. Uh, in addition to all the clinical data, medical data that we are collecting from people who, who already have gone to the hospitals due to COVID-19. And I think that it's digital health that will inform us in the future. You know, it will inform drug development, vaccine development, as well as population health management. Wow, that's so interesting that there is a pivot towards mental health from patients. And Maybe some of it has been exacerbated from work from home because there is no, I, I would say, like escape from just the cycle of normal of just waking up, staying inside. So that's very, very interesting. You know, your normal uh, routine of uh, waking up in the morning, suddenly your home, your home is also your workplace. You're also your social place, your entertainment. It's your hospital as well. It's your clinic. It's a very strange environment that uh, we're living in today, but, uh, but uh, for sure, we're going to learn a lot from all this. Thank you, Grace. That was amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. Your attention means the world to us. If you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to share this episode with a friend. And if you really enjoyed it, if you could go ahead and leave a rating and a review on whatever platform you get your podcast, Iman and I would be over the moon. Stay tuned for our next episode.